Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk and if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content alright can we just get on with this now please filmbusters I've had a very Kubrickian week this week as you know I um, I arranged a cinema screening of The Shining for my work buddies and it was oh so good to see it on the big screen have you seen it on the big screen? never seen it on the big screen oh baby it's, it was very nice, very nice. Just hearing those, yeah. which, which. Uh, speaking of this episode, we're talking about Clockwork Orange. Did you hear the little sting in the Clockwork Orange theme? Well, it's the same composer, isn't it? So I yeah. think there's some very familiar. He probably would have used some things because Clockwork Orange came first, obviously. Yeah, yeah, ten, like ten years before. Yeah, but um, I was like, oh, baby, what is that? It's The Shining in Clockwork Orange. It's very nice. When you went to see The Shining in the cinema, did you have to bring your copy of it to play it, or did they have it already there? No, mate. They fucking bring their own version and put it on the big screen. You don't fucking put a DVD in. (laughs) I don't know. You can can hook up. You've got your 4K steelbooks and stuff like that. Nah, you You can hook one of them up. It's a very cool website that I've found where you can book a cinema anywhere, and they give you a screen, and there's there's a... there's not an unlimited amount of films, but there's a big collection of films you can choose from, and you just tell them what you want to watch, what day you want, how many people are going, and they just set it up. And I, I called the cinema, I was like, surely. I wanted to make sure that it was actually going ahead. I called the cinema, because obviously it's a different company that books the screen for you. Mm, and yeah. they were like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll come see The Shining tonight. Yeah, that's correct. And I was like, wicked. Worked. And it all went ahead perfectly. And it was wonderful. It was great energy And now were people... Room. Were people talking and chattering no. during the film? No. Uh, uh, Scott was talking. Scott was, was he... talking, and he was clinking his drinks. He was he was with the he was with these two uh, f- my two two female colleagues, as you you would know, Rhea and uh, and Emma, yeah. Adam, and they were they were the noisiest in there. At one point, Rhea walked down the aisle and knocked over every bottle in the aisle, and it was going ching ching ching. They were they were <laughs> the, like the party animals of the cinema. That night, I went yeah. to the cinema with them two on Friday night, and they were both fine. We went to see think... a double bill of the Mummy at the Prince Charles Cinema. Oh, did you? Great stuff, great stuff. I think it was a different energy because when we got in there, because obviously everyone knew each other, there was just like a raucous amount of talking before the film yeah. actually started. But there's like a ten minute countdown before the film comes on, so oh, you know exactly That's when the cool. film's going to start. That's and, cool. Um, yeah, so as soon as that, we we did a ten a ten second countdown, and then it was like silence. Yeah. And everyone enjoyed it. Everyone's everyone's good for the most part, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. It was great. Very good. Well done on organising. Yeah, yeah. It was very fun. And um, 
today it's been a pretty slow day so me and two people work watched fucking doctor sleep director's cut this morning <laughs> jesus <laughs> three hours long just sitting at work watching it that's how much work we had to do today yeah hey. yeah so it's been very very heavy on kubrick and the shining basically but it's been great very What's good your next kubrick film I don't know, man. I need to I need to watch Barry Lyndon at one point, but I watched it once and I just turned it off after 10 minutes. Too long, isn't it? I just didn't like it. It's hard to get into. It's that kind of um, period kind of drama and it kind of put me off. I don't know. I feel like Kubrick's style, even if you're not enjoying the story so much, his style is worth the, the watch to mm. see what he's, how he's going to execute it. Mm, mm. So, have you seen Barry Lyndon then? No. no. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. Yeah, that, I, I need to go and, back to it. Um, Lolita, I think, I are the that two well. that I haven't seen. Yeah. I got you my DJI my... as well recently, Paul. Well, I don't count. It's Spielberg, really, isn't it? I know, it? but like. It's, it's, still, it's got his fingerprints all over yeah, it. Yeah, it's got his fingerprints. Beginning and the end. That's it. That's the Kubrick stuff. Yeah. I um, got. Um, the uh, Blu-ray box set here in front of me, which has Lolita in it, 2001, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, and Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. I don't have Strange Love in it, but I had another Kubrick box set which I got rid of. But I pulled the Strange Love Blu-ray out of that and uh, I've just incorporated it, in it into yeah. the into the box somehow. Because <laughs> that's the <laughs> ultimate for me. I've seen that the remake weird. of Lolita, but I haven't seen the um, Kubrick Lolita. Oh yeah, there was a remake, wasn't there? Yeah, the remake was Jeremy Irons, and I don't, I don't know who the actress was. I think the the Kubrick original is um, James Mason, Meek, who was in the verdict. Swain, Dominique, I Dominique. guess. Hmm. See, I don't off. even, I don't actually even know what Lolita is about, but um, for some reason, I've always linked it to like Leon. I don't know why. I felt like it's about like a female. It's an older man and an, and an underage girl. Only it's in not a female assassin, no? No, no, it certainly isn't. It's about mm-hmm. a... No idea what it's it, about. It's an older man who basically falls in love with an underage girl. Mm, that is why it's linked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Depending what Leon version you're watching. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, we got some Kubrick scrubbing up to do to get that mm. full that full knowledge of him. Um, yeah, today we're talking about Clockwork Orange. It is my pick. It's the, the second film in the 1971 round. It's all very exciting to start this round. Um, before we kick off the episode, this is getting to our patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. We have exclusive episodes. People can uh, suggest what films we do. They can come on the show. They can get bonus episodes. And uh, today, we're doing a special episode of this episode. What is it, Adam? We are picking our favourite films that contain a colour in the title. Oh yes, I I think we all have different ones on this one. I it kind of intentionally tried to Same. avoid ones that I thought there'd be overlap on. Mm, mm. So it was one of those ones where when you said it, I was like, this is going to be really difficult. Like, but as soon as I went from a letterboxed, you don't realize you've realized quite quickly how many films actually have colours in the title. Mm. There'll probably be a couple of ones where I'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that film. <laughs> I dare <laughs> say this might be the only one that has orange in the title though. Yeah, I've got an orange. Shall, I, t- shall I give you a hint of what colours I got? Go on. Red, black, and blue. I've got 
Green, purple, and black. Ooh. I've got black and blue. Two blacks, one blue. Yeah, I've blue. got three. Oh, okay, cool. I thought you just hadn't chose yours yet. No, no, I've done it. <laughs> technically, technically, black ain't Black's a Black's not a colour. <laughs> I know. I was, I was tempted to play that joke, but I was like, nah, I might as well include it. I've got it a was, backup. I was just... got so far down in my list. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anyone wanted to be funny about it, I do have a backup. It's a shade. It's a shade. It's a shade. As opposed to white, which is all the colours. Hmm, true. All the colour. So you c- <laughs> and no colour. Which one do you want? All the colours and no colour? Grey's just in the middle. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the middle colours, please. Yes. Okay, well, you've got that to look forward to if you want to check that out. www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. Yes. Adam, do you want to take us away to our staple of the episode before we get onto the main episode? Yes. We are going to do the quiz. I'm going to ask these guys how many questions I've got this week. I believe it's two. Yes. Two. Um, Good. There's two questions, and I'm going to ask them if they get it right, they get points. If I get it right, if they get it wrong, I get the points. And the scores currently are Paul has seven, I have eight, and Ben has six. Well, now. Uh, so welly, welly. Are you ready? I think so. How many years was the film unavailable for public viewing in the UK? Oh, 25? Wrong. Fuck. Fucking hell. 23. I feel like I should have actually probably given you a little radius of you could be a year or two out, but it was 27 years. I I didn't even know. I didn't even know it was unavailable. Yeah, nor did I until I was trying to look for questions of it. Apparently, there's a couple of copycats. There was a murder and a rape that were copied out of this film. Like one of them did oh, sing in the rain, and one of them did it dressed up as they beat up a homeless man dressed up as the Droogs. So the film. Wow, got man! I didn't know that. And then it was only when he died in two thousand that everyone wanted to watch it again, and then they re-released it or they let it out again. Mm. In two thousand, man. In seventy-three. Oh no! What? Oh, ten. I guess. I guess I didn't watch it. Look at that. Interesting. Okay. Adam gets the point. Um, I don't know. I feel like... Okay, yeah. I thought this is going to be a hard one, but... That was hard enough. It's just slightly more difficult. Well, you're <coughs> either going to smash it or you're not going to get it. Okay. What are the okay. names of Alex's droogs? Oh, for fuck's sake. Dim um, is one. Dim. Um, I'll tell you what, you've worked together on this. If you two can team up, you both get a point. All oh, right. Okay. I know dim. That's all dim. I know. Dim. Yeah. <laughs> the other two don't get mentioned enough. No. I feel like the, the one. They don't of the, really have a character. Two... Like, I feel like his character revolves around being dim, so it's really easy to gross who he is. Mm. But the other two are just like one of them is also their name begins with D. I feel like no. Fucking hell! Well, I don't mm. know, mate. I, I dim's the only one that I would get from that. Yeah. Same. That's There's tough. Georgie and Pete. I never would have got never Pete, got but that. Georgie maybe. <laughs> Pete, never. Although. Georgie does sound like a, a droog. Yeah. Also sounds like just uh, fucking it. Georgie. <laughs> so are we going to get a point? Are we going to get a point for that? I don't know. If you, I feel like you decide if you You're deserve You're the quiz master, mate. I feel you do like what you, you want. decide if you deserve a point from that. Mate, let, give it to Adam. Let All him right, I've got one more question. Yeah. I've got one more question. If you get this right, Let you get a bit. point. We'll, all right. 
What, each? Yeah. Or, or both of us? What? Ready? <laughs> okay. okay. If you, if you, either of you get this right, you both get a point for the last one. Oh, shit, okay. What, what, I'm making this up. Hang on a minute. So what happens know. if I don't we know what's get going this question on. right? <laughs> we both get a point. Then I get a point from the last question. This you is got, like double okay. or nothing. Hang on a minute. At so the this moment, is us against Adam. The score is 10 to Adam, 7 to Paul, 6 to me. Now you're well, going to no, ask nine. one more question. Yeah. And if you get it, if either of you get it right, then you two get a point for the last question. If neither of you get it right, then I get a point for the last question. This, this is so versus, fucking complicated, mate. Go ahead. Not go ahead. Pete. <laughs> Can you name me his snake? Uh, Basil. Well done, Paul. Yes, boy. Well done. Well <laughs> that done. That was a bit too easy. <laughs> I, it, I would not have come. It wouldn't have come to me. It would not have come to oh. me. I thought I had to remember that. Just I, I used to give a good uh, what's their pet name when I was the quiz master a few years ago. Yeah, Did what you? was the cat called? Very good. Well, there you go. So what does that mean now, then, Adam? So you two get the point. So that means I have nine, Paul has eight, and you have seven. Look at that! You get points for not Lovely. doing anything. Pure chaos. That is absolute quiz. chaos. A chaotic <laughs> quiz for a chaotic film. Yep. From a chaotic person. Yes. We, we don't know what's going on with this, Adam boy. No. Um, wonderful. Thanks, Adam. Um, should we move on to the film? Yes. Let's do a Clockwork Orange. Let's go. There was me. That is Alex and my three droogs. That is Pete, Georgie and Dim. And we sat in the Corova milk bar trying to make up our Razudocs what to do with the evening. The Corova milk bar sold Milk Plus. Milk Plus Velocet or Synthamesque or Drencrum, which is what we were drinking. This would sharpen you up and make you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence. Right, today we're talking about A Clockwork Orange from 1971 by Stanley Kubrick. This is a spoiler episode. If you have not seen A Clockwork Orange, you might want to go watch it first because we're going to spoil it terribly for you. It has been out for over 50 years. Yes, but it was banned for 27 years, so, so you might not... In, in this country. Yes. Either way, if you have seen it or not seen it, we will spoil it for you either way. Yes. So, go watch it, come back, and listen. Um, no one surprisingly in this film has been in films we've done before so okay. that leads us straight on to adam telling us about the plot hopefully this is less chaotic than the quiz um so this film is about a guy called alex who is a bit of a bellend to be honest um and he hangs out with his droogs and eventually he gets captured or he gets put in jail for a murder and while he's in jail they come up with a plan and they try and use psychology, or was it we say psychology, or like I don't know, along those lines, to try and hypnotism. Yeah, hypnotism. That's probably a better the Ludovic word. technique. Yeah, to try mm. and reprogram his mind to not be involved with violence and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and it has some consequences. Sure does. Sure does. Ben. You got anything on this film? Yeah, I, but I haven't put it into any comprehensible order. I've done a bunch of reading into it, but I haven't actually um, 
written it down into something that's streamlined so I'll try and wing it a bit so originally it was a book written by Anthony Burgess which I've read it's very good uh, that was published in okay. 1962 and it had um, 21 chapters but the New York version that the American version the version that was published in America I believe removed the final chapter and in the final chapter of the book originally at the end Alex chooses to turn his back on crime he thinks about the future and thinks about maybe having kids and the idea of a better future he chooses not to opt for violence but the version of the book that Kubrick got his hands on was the one that removed that chapter so when he adapted the film he believed he was just doing that faithful adaptation of, mm. of that story it wasn't the original ending um, Burgess sold the rights to Kubrick for $500 and then was not involved in the production of the film at all. Originally, the Rolling Stones were going to be cast as the Droogs with uh, oh, Mick wow. Jagger playing the Alex oh, role. Interesting. Oh, yes. But That's Kubrick, said, Kubrick said if Malcolm McDowell was not going to play the role of Alex, then he was not going to make the film. Um, Burgess created the NADSAT language that the characters speak with for his book, which is a mixture of Russian and Cockney slang. Um, and uh, Burgess claimed that it was created to make the violence in the novel more symbolic than realistic. And according to the author, the idea was that you had to work to understand what Alex was saying. So because you had to work to understand mm. what he was saying, you had to get a little bit closer to his psychology and, and and what he was doing so you couldn't just dismiss him as this uh violent violent character um there are many other bits of pieces of, of trivia that we could talk about but two things one since i've brought it up on the podcast before the ludovic technique sequence where his eyes are pinned open and he's forced to watch everything in a screen oh, that yeah. is the local cinema to me down in west norwood which they have pretty much maintained as is and I even had my short film play there, film that, that Paul also starred in. And oh, it was yes. played as part of a, a local film festival and it played up on that big screen. So the screen that Alex is watching in Clockwork Orange, many, many years later, would have a film that I made I up, take it up your on film there. was less violent than the films that he was watching. Uh, it's still fucked up, much less violent. Mm. There's blood. And uh, Malcolm McDowell got his cornea scratched during that scene. Apparently, there was, that doctor who was dropping the eye drops in his eyes was a legit doctor at the time. And what happened in that scene was they gave him an anaesthetic uh, to numb his eye. And the doctor, to test that the anaesthetic was working, kept putting a soft handkerchief in his eye. And Malcolm McDowell would keep feeling it to, until he could no longer feel it. And then the doctor was like, right, the anaesthetic's working but that doctor had to keep putting the eye drops in his eyes every mm. 15 seconds so that his cornea wouldn't dry up because if your cornea dries up you go blind anyway they filmed this for ages and ages and Kubrick told him it was only going to be 10 minutes but it ended up being hours anyway they filmed they wrapped on the day and then Malcolm McDowell was in the, the car on his way home and the anaesthetic wore off and he says that he remembers going Fuck over man. this speed bump and as he went over the speed bump, he said it felt like a razor blade had been slashed down the entirety oh. of his face. He said it was the most excruciating pain ever because it just washed over him because the eye had gone through so much shit. Like, imagine, imagine it. And then his doctor had to come around and inject him with morphine to, uh, to relieve the pain. And then finally, it's like a little bit of metal scratching your eyeball. Oh, horrible, mate. Horrible. Oh. You can tell that it's not simulated as well. Like, the more you watch mm. it and you see that under the lid, you're like, fuck me. That. Ugh. And uh, yeah, finally, just on the, the banning thing, it was Kubrick who decided to ban his own film because uh, 
there were these so-called copycat killings and, and rapes where things happened based on it and a lot of lawyers who were defending the people who had done these things in court were saying the film was directly responsible and got their clients to say oh I watched this film and then this happened mm. and Kubrick was obviously like well that's you know that's not the film is not condoning that and you know people psychopath is a psychopath is a psychopath it's not nothing to do with a, a film being made but when he was making Barry Lyndon after this his family started getting death threats and whatnot and apparently I didn't know this Kubrick was a, as anyone would be but I always thought he was like this eccentric genius but he was devoted to his family and he was like I cannot put them at risk I will pull the film and so he pulled mm -hmm. the film from I can't remember when it was 1973 up until 1999 the year before 2000. he died no, he died in 2000, but he actually dropped... Kubrick dropped the ban. Okay, in but the UK didn't drop the ban. That's what I was... That's what my question was about. It was banned by the government or something like that. Well, Kubrick removed the ban. The film okay. was re got re-released in Great Britain in 2000, but he removed the ban oh, in okay. 1999. But it was Kubrick who pulled it. It was Kubrick who, who pulled it. Kubrick banned any British screenings of A Clockwork Orange. In, mm, in, in mm. 74 that that was it it could play elsewhere but not but not in in britain i think there was a cinema i can't remember what it was they said there was a cinema that played it tried to play it and it was completely shut down like at a, an official proper cinema wow and they shut it down they were hard on it man mm. it's nuts yeah good knowledge that was very comprehensive mm, i liked lots it of stuff it's a, interesting interesting this is, this is why i avoid reading the trivia because I like being surprised no it's good hmm. the good thing about this one is that I had the uh, the blu-ray so I could actually watch some special features and stuff as well oh good one good one beautiful stuff mm. okay this is a uh, this is my pick so I decide <sighs> whose order I want first impressions uh, let's just do filmbusters order uh, it's just it's just like nothing else this film really is it it's like the, the the whole fabricated language mixed with like a this northern twang just makes it all like very otherworldly and the, ama the like the amazing sets every detail of every frame it's just so meticulously thought out as as expected from kubrick which says fucking great um i hadn't seen this film in a long time um from start to finish i was transfixed everything is like slightly off to the world as we know it they almost feels like it's set in some other world or like a near future yeah and malcolm mcdowell is like just he's so good in it and regardless of how horrible he is especially in those first like 30 minutes <clears throat> strangely i never hate him and i think it's because we're, we're all almost like always put in, into his mindset as you were saying it's like in this like grossly corrupt world that he kind of resides in and really, it's just it's, it's just a snapshot of the corruption we have in our world, and we we experience in our world too. That like the journey of Alex exploiting the citizen citizens in the system just gets completely flipped on its head, where he is seemingly seen as the exploited one, and in a world where like the good guy never wins, which is pretty much how how we live our lives. It's it's harsh. It's beautiful. The music is amazing. The music amazing. And it is, it's hard not to love this film as a film lover. 
that's my first impressions first impressions there you go okay so i've probably seen this film about four times now i want to say uh and i think the time before this time i remember absolutely loving it and then for some reason i didn't click me i think i downloaded it but watching it on this watch now and i don't know if it's because we're going to do it in this podcast and actually thinking about it with for a bit but it's absolutely incredible i i don't think i've ever appreciated how good this film is until this watch i don't know what for some reason stuff clicked i mean i've always enjoyed it i've always liked it i mean just downloaded it a little bit but it never clicked for me like it did on this one like at the end of the film you're, you're meant to feel sympathetic for a guy who you know is a complete and utter arsehole and you don't want anything but him to do well you're it's just the way that this film can is commentary on what's right and wrong in the world and how fucked up the world can be. But then who really is the fucked up person in this world? Is it, who is it? It's, it's just the commentary of this film. And I think everything like that coming together. It, yeah, this is the most time I've ever enjoyed this film. I'm ready to talk about it. I thought you were going to say, mate, the last time you saw the film, you saw it with the big man himself. No, that was, that was about six years ago now. I've watched it once since then well still that's worth a little shout out well yeah I did watch it and he was at the end yeah and people asked him some questions and stuff so Malcolm McDowell we mean not Kubrick yeah he didn't come back from the dead for Adam <laughs> screening <laughs> last time uh, last episode at the end I said we're gonna, we're gonna do a clockwork orange I heard you under your breath you went fuck me yeah right is that because you're thinking oh god I gotta sit through that again no, I think it's just it's a it's just a, a meaty film, isn't it? It's a it's big a, boy. It's a. Mm-hmm. I think I said this to. I saw. I've seen Ben since this. Where do we go, Ben? DMAs. DMAs. That was it. And we were talking about it afterwards, and we both said this was going to be on our list to pick of films. I don't know. Oh mm. shit! I don't know what film I'm picking after this. I forgot about that part. I'm gonna have to work that out. Um, but I didn't. I, my head wasn't like I'm gonna pick it because. That I did it was, it was how I felt when I did There Will Be Blood it's just certain films that are just so big that I can't you just sometimes you have to be in the right mainframe to, to like tackle them mm. and I'm glad you did I'm but they're I'm, ripe they're ripe for talking about them yeah they? they are and I'm not I'm, I'm happy you've done it but in my head it was just like I when I looked at the list I was like yeah I, I might leave that film this time it's intimidating yeah it mm. is a, yeah it's a meaty bastard but that's why I was like fuck Mm. All right. Well, it is a big old boy, and it is a great fucking classic of a film. But uh, I can't properly give a good summary of my feelings. We just talk about it as as we go through. But like you said, I was thinking about it differently, knowing that we were going to come to the podcast and we'd be talking about themes and stuff. And the thing that struck me most this time was how it is everything that you kind of connect to Clockwork Orange is really in those first 45 minutes because it's a film mm. of three parts. It's the, it, it, and it li- almost is literally broken up into 45 minute chunks. So you check the timestamp and it's 45 minutes. It's that first thing, which is like the excess violence. You've gone wild, gone crazy, lawless, absolute excess violence, but still with a charismatic guy. Then that middle section is repercussions, reform. And then that third section is what happens when fucking free will is taken away how can you be used and abused by all these other institutions and whatnot and it is great as you said paul 
that you've got someone who is this terrible person doing terrible things, yet you are kind of with him throughout. And it is because they show all these other terrible, violent, oppressive systems that we, humanity, exist in. And there's a lot of comments in there about prison reform. There's a lot of comments about police, about religion or organized religion, about writers and about the government and how all of them manipulate people to some extent or another and i love that i think this viewing is probably the one where i actually enjoyed what came in the later parts of the film uh most more than i did in the past because like i say i always just connect it to those initial 45 minute droogy yeah. acts which is obviously very striking mm -hmm. and very compelling to see that's where all the like symbolism and iconography is but there's a lot to be said and discussed in in that second and third act it's great. It's Malcolm McDowell's greatest ever role. And I don't think he's a particularly good actor generally, because I've seen him in a lot of rubbish, including the Halloween Rob Zombies, where he plays a very poor Loomis. Um, very poor. Yeah. But for, from the limited amount of films that I've seen him in, this is his masterpiece for sure. And possibly one of Kubrick's. Um, yeah. it's uh, There's a lot of meat, so let's feast. Let's feast. That's first. <laughs> you're. Right. I, th I think you're. You're right in saying because Ant scenes is so long. You are kind of. You do remember it for those first, the first, well, third of it, I guess. But um, I I did enjoy. I enjoyed it more than ever. The the other parts of it. Yeah. It's um. It's just fascinating stuff just to see, because because I, I was like. What is this? I can't remember what the film, what the what is the moral of this whole story? Yeah, I can't actually remember. And it's that's what really clicked for me on this. Um, yeah, that's when that's what really clicked for me on this one. Like Ben said, I always remember. You always remember the first forty-five minutes, and I always remember the last bit. I always thought it was shorter. I thought it was like an hour and a half of the chaos at the beginning, and I think mm. it was only this time I realised how early in the film he actually gets like arrested, and it all goes tits up, and also like. Mm. I just know some reason I picked up on stupid little things and it's so obvious of like his mates turning on him like that whole aspect of it I never really I always thought he just fucked it I thought he got over ambitious rather than him getting stitched up yeah well, he kind of he kind of got brought that upon himself that didn't he, he really, did and he didn't he, though, the they, way they, he treated his mates they beat him up and left him on the yeah I mean yeah I mean but, he fucking deserved that though yeah of course he did sorry for him at that moment of the film it's you know why mm. it's because it's not so much feeling sorry for him it's because he is charismatic and he there is something likeable about he's intelligent the other droogs are dumb like dim is dumb they're like yeah. idiots. They're, they're kids that you see on the street that you easily dismiss, whereas Alex is like slightly more refined and, and he appreciates music. All of these things sort of elevate him a bit to a point where it's like, okay, mm. you're doing this terrible shit, but actually you've got um, purpose and drive. In the book, I remember the big thing that they really drummed home about Alex, because it's all from his point of view in the book as well, is he the thing that he hates the most are people in, in life who don't have, who aren't committed to something, who don't mm -hmm. want something, aren't passionate about things. People who just like aimlessly sit through their lives are, are the worst thing for him. And to an extent, that's kind of what the droogs are. His droogs, they aren't passionate about nothing other than yeah, the ultra violence. But he is. He, he mm. There's certain things he loves. He loves women. He loves uh, music. He loves his snake. He has, he has mm. energy. He has a lust for life, whereas 
the others don't so you don't care about them as much yeah it's that drive for something more isn't it and i think i think as well uh seeing that thing from the off of him him kind of using his power it's that exp- the export of his power and that's kind of a theme going throughout isn't it how how people in power can exploit the people below them yeah and that's what he's doing to the droogs at mm. first and then ends up getting done to him but he always comes out on top that's the the great thing about it and that's that's what's so interesting his his it's all all the corruption yet he kind of comes out clean yeah, at yeah. The end. <laughs> he comes out on top in the first 45 mm, mm. but then it's that middle section but it's like kind of this is his punishment he's going through the through the motions but it's like then he ends up coming out on top it's like how can and then all the people all the people all the innocent people going to jail <laughs> it's like man this is utter corruption what innocent people going to jail the man the man whose wife he he inexplicably killed because she committed suicide oh i see you're right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, go, he went to jail i see yeah i know that's true <laughs> and yeah. it's like it's all it's all it's kind of revenge from his part but it's like but he's well, innocent he's still get his is that old man innocent he was an innocent he's not he was like he, eye for an eye really isn't it he was a victim at some point and this is the whole film isn't it it's yeah. the whole thing is if people do terrible things what should be done to them yeah it feels like yeah, yeah that very black mirror-esque kind of who really is the bad person at the end of it all Mm. it's literally it is black mirror decades before because it's dystopia it's about a future where if we if we let ourselves go down that route our freedoms are fucking taken away Mm. the style of this film is fucking wonderful it just it's just the way people are dressed mostly and some of the places he goes into it's just slightly off that it just feels like this Mm. is not of this world like the those lollipops those women are eating the pit the color of people's hair the way people are dressed yeah it's like just also like it's almost it's very it is very like 70s i guess the way it, it, the yeah. way it feels it's a very realistic but, look at the future i think yeah yeah not like flying cars and everything it's all everything's a bit more sleek and a bit more it's definitely mm. how they would have envisioned the future back then because it is 60s 70s furniture and shit like that yeah yeah Lots of browns, lots of var- yeah. That, that, I mean, all of it. The my favorite vi- two favorite visuals in the whole film is obviously the Maloko milk bar and the opening scene is just amazing. And mm. the second one is when he walks around the record store. Mm. The way he's dressed, the way yes. that record store is presented, the way that classical music's been weird, sort of like it? remixed into this robotic voice, and the lollies mm. that they're sucking on. You enjoying that, that little whole- sister? Yeah. What's wrong with your one? Yeah. <laughs> All flaccid. Um, just to say about that opening shot where um, it focuses on the droogs and it slowly pulls back. Uh, I love this is that when Kubrick shot that afterwards, he came up to uh, Malcolm McDowell and he's like, oh, I've just uh, watched that shot. I don't know if you realize, but you, after you, drank uh, the milk you sort of held it there so it looked like you were cheersing someone and and Malcolm McDowell said I was cheersing the audience because I was about saying to them you're in for a hell of a ride and Kubrick was like oh. I like that I'll keep it Kubrick, keep Kubrick was going to reshoot it <laughs> I bet he did like that yeah that's a good one all that milk man like that just a, a, yeah. a, 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 something like that the idea of all these drugs being in the milk in this milk bar and just getting mm. fucked up on milk is 
just a, a wonderful Your belly idea. would be in a fucking pieces, man. <laughs> yeah, well. You're lining that stomach, mate. You're lining it, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to have fucking kidney stones by the end of it. Hey, you'd have plenty of strong bones, though. Your calcium deficiency is a thing of the past. Down the old Maloco bar. That's how he gets those good kicks in yeah, when he's doing Singing in the Rain. Exactly, yeah. Got those strong bones. He's strong. He doesn't even fall out of the window stick. as well. He doesn't break his bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Maybe that's all. Yeah. I, think the, I think the best way to tackle this is in, in thirds, right? Should we just tackle this first? Yeah, third? Let's, ta- let's tackle it in thirds. Why not? Yeah. Uh, sticking on the milk bar, then. Um, it is just such a... A great little little set. Yeah. Like it, it. I still don't even understand what the hell that place is. Is it a bar? Is it just a bar that anyone can go into? Because they kind of treat it like it's some kind of gang hangout. base, mm. like a gang hangout. But then it's not, and it's like, so who's coming to this milk bar? It's like the most random thing. It's like, is this is this the new kind of hangout spot where you can just drink milk? It's just like, I like it because it's just so otherworldly and yeah. weird. But and it's, it's such so, a great way to it set is like the film a, off. Um, it's like a heroin den or an opium den. Mm, mm, yeah. With all of these, like, exper- like back in the day of 71, where drugs were very much on the menu to be consumed liberally and daily, it <laughs> probably did feel like, yeah, in the future, there's going to be these drug bars. You could just walk mm, in, yeah. like Amsterdam, all over the place. And it's just, but it's just this place where different class of people can just come as well it's like you yeah the first time we see it it's almost like this is kind of the hangout spot for for alex and his kind of his kind of peers yeah. but then when we come back it's like there's tv people there yeah i think he the said TV they're tv studio. people mm. and it's like these are business business mm. people and then she just starts singing opera and it's like what is this place yeah <laughs> what, are they, what are they doing in this place but that's it for drugs it just adds to the mystique drugs yeah. nullifies everyone mate it brings everyone yep. down to one place. If everyone wants that kick, doesn't matter whether you're the mm. junkie on the street or that, that high-profile junkie, you come in there and get what you want. So as a, as a person who's actually read the book, is this prominent in the book, yeah. The Milk Bar? Yeah, it okay. is, yeah, with all the drugs in the milk and whatnot. Okay, see, I, see, I never knew there was supposed to be drugs in the milk. Yeah. Is that, is that said in the film? Yeah, in that opening scene. It, I can't remember all the words, but it says, like, Velocet and... and, and this and that like very technical terms but that, he says that's what's in the milk there's like maloco plus oh, okay. uh open maloco n- knifey i remember knifey maloco is in the book i don't think that's in the film but they're all these different mm. milk drug concoctions that get you ready for a bit of the old ultraviolence um oh, yes yes so a little commentary on just the youth going around taking drugs and doing terrible bloody things mm, terrible things As like kicking in homeless people mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Dis- See this. This is where he says he can't stand. He can't stand drunk people, which is, I guess, you're saying he can't stand people who just don't do nothing with their lives. With no purpose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no purpose. He's just lying there under a bridge in the dark. As far as he's concerned, you're wasting your life. You deserve. You deserve everything you're about to get. Mm, mm. You're here. F- you're only here for our kind of pleasure. Yeah. To do what we want with you. That's why I love that shot where he, where he goes, "Oh, just go and put me out of my misery. Let get me out of this stinking world." And he goes, "Oh, what's so stinking about it? I fucking love it. It's so <laughs> mischievous." And Kubrick shoots it from the side with him looking mm. down. Like there's the lighting's great, great. Oh, mate. And and just with the the eyelashes around the eye as well. Fuck me. The visuals are mm. just spectacular. Spectacular, mm. particularly in that first mm. first voice. I really like when they are in that milk bar the second time and she's singing the opera and then Dim does the just takes the piss, does the raspberry noise 
and he smashes his cane down on him and he goes what'd you do that for and and he says something like for being a bastard with no manners and no understanding of what how to conduct yourself decent wise (laughs) (laughs) just after they fucking beat it home yeah it's like yeah we can do that but have some fucking respect when you hear classical music have some respect when you hear lovely ludwig yeah yeah enjoy the arts it just adds so much to the the character of alex doesn't it like this this whole first third is just kind of fleshing him out and he's a he's a very complicated man even though it can seem like he's just yes out for out for fucking terror yeah. but there's 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 levels to him yeah there's le- there, um, there's levels because because he has got that lust for life like i think imagine if this character did all that and went home and was terrible to his parents and was just just mm. talked like shit to everyone but because he yeah. speaks in this amazing vernacular which is kind of exciting mm. and because he dances yeah. around during a rape and because he calls people sir and missus and because he likes music all of this gives <laughs> my him brother life. my brother you know all of that stuff it gives him life it makes him it is the charles manson effect if you want to call it that mm. in a way for me mm. how jenny if jenny listens to this she's, she's going to say to me afterwards i told you to stop talking about charles manson as well but anyway, just, just, just in this spacey and charles manson they're my go-to people but <laughs> it is if Manson was not as charismatic as he is, of course I wouldn't be interested in it, but it's because he's such a fascinating talker that mm. you're compelled to listen and 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 you almost like, oh yeah, I can see that i I understand why you're doing it, I understand why you're saying that, you know, yeah, it's super fascinating, super fascinating to watch that's why that's why it and, works with Alex, yeah, absolutely, and this um this leads on to let's just say about the the car scene. I kind of like how it's solves the green screen. It is, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, is. it's so erratic. <laughs> they're all just loaded in this car, and it's like it's almost like the screen behind us is jumping all over the place. Like this isn't real. It looks like they're so like it looks like they're lifting off like the fucking at the front I or know. something. <laughs> so. And also, it's like the smallest car in the world because they just fly under that truck. Yes, they do. It is. I remember I went to the Stanley Kubrick. There was an exhibition of his at the Design Museum. Again, must have been about oh, yeah. four years ago. Um, and they had the car in the foyer when you went in. And it is very low to the ground. Oh, what? The, the actual car they used? Yeah. They had the oh, car they cool. used and they had some of the prints from The Shining when he was on the tape, on the typewriter. All yeah. That kind of stuff. And they had loads of, like, his hat, like Alex's hat was there. All that kind of stuff. Oh, mate. Should have really got to see that. Very good exhibition. And um, how did you, just generally in this first 45, obviously the film gets a whole load of controversy for being like real violent and shocking and everything. But Mm. did you boys, did you boys find, obviously this rape is terrible, but did you find the way that it was shot and the way that it was executed was particularly reprehensible or shocking to you? Uh, I mean, there's elements of it. I wouldn't say much, a little bit, tiny, a tiny bit though. There's, it's, it's the way, the way it's shot is just so great that it kind of looks beautiful regardless of the, the horrible stuff they're doing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I know that it's, it's obviously he's cutting the clothing off and stuff, but I don't think it ever gets, it's almost like alluding to something horrible rather than actually doing anything horrible. The the most horrible thing we get is him stripping someone naked. Yeah. Cutting, cutting with the scissors, which is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, 
the th- the reason that they it makes people uncomfortable, I think, is because it's not just. I feel like if it was just outright violence, people would go, "No, oh, t- terrible," and that's it. Mm. But people are people were outraged because they were watching it, but they were also getting these comedic things like dancing around to singing in the rain while mm. it's going on, dressed like that mm. with like phallic noses on their face. That kind of stuff is what makes people uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Like it's, a different- it's just the, the whole idea of it, isn't it? It's like this, it just gives you that feeling rather than having to actually experience it. Like if, if for example, like Alex, you actually see Alex rape this woman. Yeah. I think that will take it to another level where mm. it's, it's just alluding to this really nasty stuff and him singing and, it just gives you that feeling of like, oh man, this is horrible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also because in the first scene, they stop a rape from happening and now this time they're, they're doing it. Yeah, that's what, that is an interesting dichotomy there. They show that within like 10 minutes. They prevent a rape, yeah. but it's not because it's not because they want to save her. They want to be They just people. want a Barney, yeah. Yeah. Them, them beating up the other guys is more important than them raping someone yeah. in that moment. Mm. Did you know that that scene was the first time that radio mics were ever used in film. Can you believe that? Which scene? That scene where the, where they go up against the other gang, where they literally had oh, okay. radio mics attached to them and the sounds mm. that you hear is just the sound of the scene rather than mm. stuff that was layered on. It was the first ever film to be shot on Dolby. Look at that. Hey, Mr. Kubrick, man. He's uh, he is a master. Innovator. Innovator. And I, just let me say mm. this now before I forget, because I, I don't know when else I would fit this in. The thing that is amazing about him is that he literally did like one genre film in each genre. And that was it. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, if you've seen Clockwork Orange, then, you know, this film yeah. will be like this and this film will be like that. It's mm. like, Barry, let Barry me do Linden horror. And what's her name? Um, Eyes Wide Shut's quite, and it's not really period, is it? No. no, 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 no. I just remember the burlesque dancing. The, but he's done period. Like he's done period. He's done war film. He's done satire. He's done sci- yeah. sci-fi with 2001 Space Odyssey. He's done horror with uh, The Shining. He's done yeah. I don't know drama for Lolita. I ain't seen it. I, d- I don't know. Nearly every single one of him is regarded as a regarded as the best. Yeah. In fact, Malcolm McDowell says that in one of the extras. He says that's the thing about Stanley is that not only did he do all these films in these different genres, arguably his film in that genre was is often considered the best. Like 2001, people say great, mm. great sci-fi. Shining, people say the greatest horror, you know. Anyway. 2001's the only one that I... I mean, I know why people love it, but I just... There's something about it. It's like... Mm. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, little... I, I also feel that way but i've only watched the film once i need to watch it again i do need to watch it i again think it, well. i think it's more the ending adam gives it 10 out of 10 do i <laughs> yep no you give it a 10 out of 10 a lot of people do a lot of people love that one up it's the, i think the idea of it and the 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 set of it is beautiful it's just the where yeah. it goes i i think the, the last like, but again i think it's one of those films you could watch it any time and then suddenly it will click You'd be like, oh my god! Like, yeah, maybe. I get maybe this. one day. Well, speaking of two thousand one, mm. the person who designed the Star Baby at the end of uh, two thousand one mm. Space Odyssey also designed all the uh, Maloko Bar mannequins mm. and uh, the uh, the big phallic ceramic willy that does the oh, yes. uh, the that cat lady's head. In. <laughs> yes. Can I just say? Yep. It had been a while since I'd watched it, and when I suddenly saw all those cats 
in the house mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. fuck you are gonna lose oh, me yeah that will put me off alex if anything happens to those cats fortunately not even a hint of danger to the cats no well he does no. kill the owner so they could have been starved to death afterwards yeah, but the police would have turned <laughs> up and just, the police no. would have brought all sorts of milk. He would have taken them to the milk bar. There you go. Fed them yeah, all the druggy milk. Some fucking coke. <laughs> they would have eaten the owner before they stopped. <laughs> just like Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Batman Returns um, reference, folks. Batman Returns reference. Yes. Now, yes, yes, I don't yes. know about you. But I'm feeling 22. Did you recognize? Yes. Uh, did you recognise, you know, uh, the block that... Because a lot of this was shot in and around London, but I think mainly all the stuff around where Alex lives is Thamesmead. But, you know, his um, apartment block, his where he, his flat is, that building, yeah. it looked so much like um, the Royal Festival Hall at the South Bank, the interior, that I kept looking at it thinking, is that it? Is that me? Is that where they shot that? Do you know? Apparently, it was in Elstree, in the in the flats here. Really? Yeah, that's Makes what sense. I've been told. Mm. And that's that's interesting because, uh, again, in the, in the Malcolm McDowell thing, he said that one day they had to take the producers out, and Kubrick hated the producers, and they were, and he was like, "We just took the producers out to this shitty Chinese restaurant in Borumwood," and he's like, hey, "If you've eaten in Borumwood, <laughs> it's dog food, <laughs> lots of rice." <laughs> restaurant in the high street <laughs> it's still there after this time Christ <laughs> I love the scene in the time where the uh, teacher comes to visit and it's like here's our first glimpse at how it's not only the kids the teenagers we can see that this so called trusted teacher is a bit dirty himself like, oh you're talking about power. I thought he was his parole officer well, I, okay, tell me what he was. Maybe he was. I, I, I couldn't really clock it. It seemed like he was maybe a, a, an older teacher or head, not headmaster, but some senior figure who had some sort th- of oversight of him. I think, I think he was a pro officer because he comes in saying, you're not doing anything bad, are you? Because you know that put you... Because he mentions the crime he's Is done. Is his teacher? And also... Really? Is his head but teacher, he, But then he comes, he comes into the police station and says, you're, you're, you're not my ro- trouble anymore. Because he likes said, well, you're going back to jail. I thought he was his head teacher of his school because he says you haven't been at school recently or something like that. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean it's his head teacher. I always thought he was his head teacher, to be honest. I can't. I, I don't know why I assumed it was his. T- anyway, whoever he is, it's someone who is in a he's position great. of responsibility, <laughs> and he's great. And as so loads of people like him and the prison guy that we meet later, they're so over the top with the way that they speak. Yeah. Yeah. Mother gave me the key. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and just drinking the water that's got the dentures in. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even realise. Doesn't realise. Look what you're fucking drinking. And he's just got him, and just the idea of this young boy in his underpants, and he's got him sat next to him while he's fully dressed in a coat on a bed with his arm around him. Yes. And then he just grabs laid his dick. Him back. <laughs> grabs his dick after he's laid him back. But there you go. I love the shot before you see him as well when he's walking past. And you just see the, you see him sitting in the in the bedroom, <laughs> yeah. but they just go past the door immediately. And you're like, he has a sec to think about. Hang on a minute. <laughs> oh yeah, it was good. Great, great, uh, very good. Great dialogue. Great dialogue. But again, even in that scene, you kind of like you're on Alex's side a little bit because you're like, who is this guy who's being all weird and fucking creepy? Yes. yes and Alex exactly. keeps calling him sir. And it just, it's his language. It's his vernacular, the power of language. If you can use language right, you can fucking win people over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
if you can appear to be intellectual and like above your station, then yes. you can be treated that way as well. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. He goes onto the record store after this, and then it goes onto the threesome, which yeah. is like the the sped up threesome, which yes. <laughs> I love. I read about this as well, where um, it was just a, a nonstop take, and and um, Malcolm McDowell was happy because it meant that he could do what he wanted. And yeah. Kubrick was telling him, stop picking the girls back up and, and having sex with them again because they just had to get dressed and leave. But he kept <laughs> grabbing them and undressing them again. <laughs> That's funny. I think it adds so much to that scene. That's funny. He's like, you could tell, Malcolm McDowell must have a sense of like, this is going to play, don't worry. This is going to work. For, for him to do stuff like this and then Kubrick being like, okay, yeah, I'm putting this in the final film. What? Like from the, the cheers in the screen to this bit. I think that's great. So I don't understand what the relationship was, but he was in a film called If, which I've always wanted to see but haven't, uh, which is why Kubrick cast him in this. And the director of that called mm. Lindsay something, apparently that director on If, when he knew that Malcolm McDowell was going to play this role, was coaching him on how to play the role of Alex, which is interesting because I've never heard of another okay. director telling mm someone play it this way because multiple times in in clockwork orange he'll be like and this is uh yeah lindsay told me to do that lindsay told me like the smile alex's smile that's the previous director so i wonder how much of that came from the previous director because he was still a young guy at the time yeah so he called in the shots against kubrick who i know he wasn't i mean he was big but he still hadn't done some of his masterpieces by that point it would have been mm. daunting to just come and be like cocky like yeah just leave it in my hands stanley yeah, I mean, it's a very, like, solid vision of how he wanted this character to be. Yeah. Like, he's a very solid character, isn't it? Yeah. It's like everything about him. You, you, you feel like Malcolm McDowell had to embody that character mm. to be part of that character, yeah. 100%. That's what makes it so fucking great. Yeah. But yeah, the threesome happens, and uh, he's got a pain in his gulliver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where they uh, the other droogs try to go above their station. And try and I guess that, I guess one of them wanted to be the leader, in some way. Yeah. I don't know. Where, I don't know where the the kind of the idea of Alex wasn't pulling his weight. Was it because he was just going off? They uh, said, having sex with these two girls. They said that he was doing small time scores and they wanted to do something bigger. Like, and also he mm. went off with the girls, didn't he? When he was meant to be with them, he was just doing his own thing and didn't respect yeah. them. I think. Right, yeah. They was, wanted a slightly that one guy particularly wanted that slightly bigger fucking was it score. Was your Pete? It was. Jaw, I don't know. I'm assuming it's George. Yes, I know. One of them's so low key that he like. Yeah, he's he so in the background. Anything. Yeah, yeah. He, he even doesn't really want to be a part of it when it when they're all getting beaten up. He's he the one who doesn't away. go on to be a police officer. Yeah, he's almost the the one who doesn't want to do anything with his life. Yeah, the least. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he beats them up so that, and then he kind of just makes out like, oh, so what was the idea then? It's like he mm. takes the idea for his own kind of thing. Yeah, he's still restoring order himself. Like the thing is, even though he likes to be considered a bit of a maverick and and uh, a lawless one, he still mm. wants order within his own gang. Yeah, yeah. I think he wants he's order within society way. as well. It's just the right people. He's just uh, it's his law, isn't it? Mm. His law. Yeah, the law is. The law is, and this is the big theme of it, it's free will. For, as long I'll as you're living. Let me do what I want to do, yeah. Live. Mm. And there's the big question in the whole film. Is, is what happens later morally right if someone's done terrible shit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the way of life, mate. That's how it goes most of the time. 
And then, so here it is. It culminates in it. He smashes her head in with a massive ceramic Big. willy. Mm-hmm. And then the droogs leave him to end up with the police. So his people have turned on him. He arguably gets what he deserves. It would be good if they all had. <clears throat> I don't think any of us feel bad about the fact that he's fucking arrested. No, not at that point. No, of course not. And uh, he goes into the old prison system. It does, and this is where kind of, I guess, the second part starts really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, i got to say, I love this sergeant character. Yeah. <laughs> he's so oh, good. He's ridiculous. <laughs> Just the way he acts. And it's almost, it's almost like he, this is the way he goes about uh, his, uh, his soldier duties and everyone else is just like, why is he so extra, this guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like no one else is acting like this, only him. I know. He's like, he's so into his role. Brilliant. But it makes it all the better for it. Yeah. But you can imagine it, <laughs> it's dealing with prisoners day in, day out, saying the same stuff. He's just going through the routine of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I love all of it. Standing behind Put the white down, line. Gently. Yes. Put it down, gently. <laughs> <laughs> Mothballs. <laughs> when he puts all his clothes in there, he's like, mothballs. <laughs> it's like, just the man knows to do it. You don't even need to tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very brave performance from Malcolm McDowell because he has to just like strip naked here like it's nothing, mm. bend over and have his asshole lit up by a torch. I mean, that fucking happened. There was no... Do you think his, do you think his bum hole is actually out? They might have had a little bit of tape there. I highly doubt it. I highly doubt. Might as well get the bubble out. Would you think it was braver to have the uh, the sergeant character look into his bubble? Yeah, a bit of both. Like I wouldn't <laughs> want to be that sergeant. I, I, yeah, I'm hoping that he focused on a cheek rather than the eye. But yeah. <laughs> but also before that, when um, they're interrogating him, uh, apparently he was spit upon, spit upon, spit upon by the one actor. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Genuine. Yeah. And then the actor said to Kubrick. I haven't got any more spit in me. And one of the other police guys was like, I think I can do it. And Malcolm McDowell says he brought up oysters, basically. Oysters. Oh, my yeah. Lord. That is, that is, that disgusting. is yeah. almost like treat treat Alex as, as he's actually been treated. I know. <laughs> like in real life. I know. <laughs> Fucking horrendous. So gross. I forgot about that scene. Yeah. Because the amount of shots Kubrick likes to do as well. I know. Normally, I can imagine that was loads. Yeah. And it went all over his lips. All over his lips. I saw something as well. Do you know the bit where he licks the guy's shoe a bit further down the film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had to, he requested that it was a brand new shoe that didn't touch the floor or anything. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? You fucking would. Because otherwise, God knows what you're licking up. The actor was hopping over there. (laughs) He was. (laughs) He was. That was gross. That was a bit of a gross scene. This is the last time we see the, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he was a a pro officer. You're no longer my duty, yes? Yeah, that's it. You're going to jail, yes? Into the state. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this as a topic here now. So in prison, in ter- let's talk about the real world and our opinions on it. If someone's mm-hmm. done what Alex has done, at this point, what should his punishment be, in your opinion? He'd, he'd killed one person and inexplicably killed another person, but he could, that person could have died while he was in prison, we're not sure. And raped, and he raped someone. And raped, and raped, yes. And beating up homeless people. Um, very long time in prison. If it was in real life. He was 14 this is years, didn't he? I can't remember what his sentence was. In the film, I think it was 14 years. And he served two. But this prison officer, the point, the point being is that, that the, the 
prison warden, who we meet a little bit later in this middle section, is not yeah. a fan of this new experimental Ludovico no. technique. No. Because he wants eye for an eye punishment. If this happened, you stay here and you serve. That's your yeah. punishment. You serve your punishment. Yeah. Whereas it's basically, should you be punished or should you be reformed? Should you focus on punishment or should you focus on reform? And the Ludovic technique is basically... This is reform. We can reform this person. But it's almost like a trial, isn't it? So there's no there's no actual evidence that this thing actually works. Wasn't he one of the first to yeah. go for this experiment? Yeah, it, he was. it was early days talking about it. Mm. So I think as a as a prison warden you would be like, I don't know, man, these people are, it's just a way for these for these prisoners to get an easy ride. So I can kind of understand why he would feel that way. And that's that's exactly what Alex thought. Alex thought, this is an easy ride. I can just pretend I've been reformed through this. Whatever experiment this is, this is going to be an easy ride. I can just make out like I'm reformed in the end. Yeah, yeah. Alex Little was definitely going to just, yeah. So I can kind of get it. If Think think about this. If if it was someone who, who did you wrong, who'd gone to jail, and then you'd heard that they're going through some kind of trial, scientific trial that could let them out, Mm. In a month, yeah, you'd be like, "Fuck off, put them back in jail." Yeah, there is but elements it, of though that the prison is there for. It's meant to be there for. You're meant to be reformed when you come out of it, or mm. so. This surely is the ultimate reformation of like a person that you can do. So that person who killed you, he no longer ex- who hurt you, or whatever, no longer exists. I mean, this is where the moral questions come in. Of like, exactly, that this person is, no longer this exists. Is the meat. And also, when you look at him, what life does he actually have? His favourite thing in the world, which is classical music, has been taken away from him. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure if, yeah. He, if he knew that at the time, he'd have rather have served 14 years in jail and come out enjoying classical music exactly the same way mm-hmm. than having his favourite thing in the world taken away from him. Yeah. The shell of a person. Yeah. I mean, that's what... This is the... I think I really lent in this time of like... I obviously understood it, but I, for some reason this day proper clicked with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. It's, it's that, it is that struggle, isn't it, to... Because he is still that person inside, regardless of how his but brain's he's not, been trained. Though. He's gone. He he's, he's almost that person's gone. Yes, I would say I would that say, that person is essentially gone. I'd say it's inside, but when he's, it's just like when he he goes to want to touch that naked woman, yeah. and he's starting to feel sick. It's because it's his, it's this hypnotic trance he's been put in. It's kicking in and telling him, "No, you're supposed to feel sick in this moment." But he's still reaching to want to do it. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's a human instinct, That's that. a human... Th- th- that bit there, I'd say, is a human... Well, <laughs> to reach at some random Not to boots. beat somebody up. I think that's where he's, he's cowls away from that. He doesn't go to do it and then stop. That's the only time where he goes to do something that his body reacts to. Like when he's getting beaten up by the homeless people, he doesn't even react at all. He just accepts it. It's not like he goes to kick them back and then stops halfway through because he... Well, yeah, because he can't. He can't anyway, because as soon as he tries to, he starts feeling sick, doesn't he? But this is this is him as the clockwork orange, the organic and mechanic mechanical thing. Looks human on the outside, but no longer is. I want to speak about what what that means. So, what did you just say? Say it again. The, a clockwork orange, so something that should be natural, organic, yeah. but isn't. Yeah. It's mechanical. It can't. It isn't the thing that it appears to be. That's what Alex is after that technique. Yeah. Yeah, it's something, uh, something unnatural. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but yes, he, I tell you, he, 
when it comes to punishment and stuff, it's very hard to give an opinion objectively. It, well, no, it's easy to give it objectively. But if you try and bring it down to, oh, if someone killed your mum or someone did this yeah. to your kid yeah, or something, then that's a, a different thing. But like objectively, you you would think, yeah, like what Adam said, the idea of prison shouldn't just be punishment. It should, for certain people, some, for some people, there is no reform for the things they've, they've done really, but the idea should be to reform them. But what's interesting here is you've got different aspects of reform because it's like, okay, reform will come from 15 years of doing nothing and they'll come out and they'll never do it again. Or reform will come mm. through religion and God and singing these hymns yeah. and reading your Bible and finding truth yucky in that yuck. and whatnot. I know you say yucky up, but here's the thing. I that's know interesting. people find it. Yes. No, well, I wasn't going to say that, but they do. They do find a, that's a way the to bear themselves, on, though, isn't it? it? You can't have it. You can't have everything without that, though. But still, Alex is exploring the system for all that. He's not actually thinking about God's going to save him. He's thinking about being the Roman soldiers stabbing Jesus and yeah, breaking the women. He likes. He likes the sex and, and and the death of it all. He likes the first bit before it gets all preachy. Yeah. Mm. But what I was mm. going to say, which is interesting here, considering who's made this film and what it's all about is actually one of the few people in this film who speaks sense is that priest because he he is the one when Alex goes through the procedure who's like the, the, but this is not humanity you can't be a good person without choosing to be a good person mm. if you just remove <laughs> someone's ability to do something they're not human anymore there's no free will so it's better yeah. to have it's better to have an evil person in the world choosing to do evil than it is to have someone in the world who doesn't even have the choice. And I agree with that. If you could change the world now and say there will be no more, nobody will ever be murdered again, no innocents will ever be murdered and no innocent people will ever be raped. You can do that now. We will flick a switch though and it means that nobody can choose not to do it. It's that it's impossible for them to do it and it comes at the compromise of things that they would otherwise like to enjoy like films like art mm. like music yeah. the choice to believe or anything i would say no because that isn't humanity that's not civilization that's not human no. it's not human it's not it's not living no not saying that raping people's living but that's like the the it's on the same spectrum isn't it you all, you all have free will to do whatever you want and it's just your choice whether to do a good or bad thing yeah and we have to we have to have it because mm. that is what makes you like the, we, people look at what happened when in covid the whole world saw it when governments told people stay at home like nobody wanted mm -hmm. to stay at home and you could argue that it was because of to protect other people and whatnot and people had to stay at home we did it but the reality is people did not like the government telling them you cannot go out you you cannot do this you have to stay home you don't have a choice in the matter you've got to stay home mm. Mm -hmm. and in this story mm. decades before we're seeing what happens when government institutions are removing people's ability to do something the free will to do something i will defend anyone's right to the death to uh not to, to have gone out you have a right to not go out if the government had said we're not even giving you a choice we're posting gunmen outside everyone's home and if anyone comes out of their house they'll be shot i said no fuck no yeah no yeah and we're going to take you down and get your vaccines at gunpoint 
And if you don't want it, you'll be shot. I say, fuck no. Even if I personally believe it's the right thing to do, people have to have the right to, to, to choose. Because if you remove that, that is not civilization. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. And it's just it just so happens that the character we're following has done bad things. This could be applied to anyone yes. with the government just like taking free will from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And interestingly, the thing that the film... I don't know, maybe you, I don't know, you tell me. In the book, I remember them really leaning, Alex leaning into the idea that the government, or maybe not the government, the system, whatever, actually wanted crime to take place on the street because he, he says something like, uh, there's always a lot of police out by day, but not much by night. Like they mm. wanted crime to purge the streets a little at night and to keep people in, mm. in fear a little bit. It wasn't in them interests. Dystopian way of looking at stuff, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Keep things turning. Keep the clockwork of the system going. Yeah, you have to create crime to breed crime. I mean, it is it is a very Black Mirror idea. That idea of if yeah, if you could have a chip put it in your kids, that means they definitely will do nothing evil in life. Would you do it? I mean, at the moment, I'm watching. I know you've watched it already, Ben, but watching Severance and it's that same aspect of like. You're willing mm. to cut away a whole portion of your life so you can have happiness in one side. I never thought about that, but that is a very good companion piece to this, actually, yeah. I still need to watch that. I mean, I'm half through it. Yeah, that's good. interesting. I'm enjoying it. It's a very slow burner to mm. watch as well for me. It's like, you don't like one a week. See, not to get sidelined by it, but the, yeah. the, the idea in Severance is fascinating because what it is Paul this is not spoiler this is the premise is it's mm. what if the three of us decided we don't want to actually go to work like I don't want to have memories of going to work and I just want to enjoy my home life my family and being outside of work so we have this operation which is called severance which means the minute you step into work you become a new person you become yeah it's still you it's you but you have no memory of your time in work. So immediately when you step into work, the next thing you know, you're leaving work. So okay. you are just existing on the outside, but actually you're existing on the inside. The inside you knows nothing but work. But you can't transfer anything over, like friends, skills. No. You can't take notes out. You can't smuggle a note into your work self yeah. or anything like that. So you have no idea in, either side of it. The person inside work, do, have, do they have memories of outside no, work? they have nothing no. about them. They talk about stuff like, oh, I wish my Audi, I think my Audi likes this. That's mm. what they call them, Audis uh, and okay. stuff. So yeah, it's a very the moral thing of like, yeah. And I think there's, there's interesting elements of it. Like if you could have that happen to you, you become like a, like a police detective or something that's really interesting, but you don't take that job home with you at night. And mm. when you're sitting with your family, mm. you think of all the dark shit you've had. But then, yeah. And that's well, that's kind of what Alex is... Well, no, it's not actually here because Alex doesn't know. When he d- agrees to that Ludwig technique, it is like you yeah. say, Paul, he just anything to get out. Yeah, and also they, they don't know about the classical music until one point when he's that's showing true. a video and then they say it and then they go, oh, that's our thing now, isn't it? That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's just because it's linked to the Nazi they also, videos. They think, oh, now he likes classical and just take something away from him. Like, let's punish him through something. If they didn't have that mm. classical music on those films, right? So he could go out and still enjoy lovely Ludwig, but not be violent and not be rapey. Would you have considered what he went through a success? I think it would be a less obvious success, but I think it's 
it's, that's what kills him though that's what kills him inside like he, he can live without that's his the violence punishment. he can live without the violence and the sex I think but it's the music that he wants to live with and then that's what cripples him so if he didn't so if the music wasn't playing and he could still listen to Beethoven you would say when he's outside well then also it, there is it, elements it of it worked. like I know he's getting caught up in his, his old person came back to punish him mm. but at the same time you say you need to be a little bit violent to get through this life. Like, you need to stand up for yourself. Like, he didn't stand up for himself against the lodger. He didn't stand up for yes. himself against the homeless people. He yeah. didn't stand up against his mates that chased him down. Like, I know he brought them all on himself for his actions beforehand. Mm. But if you've got no violence in you, life will shit you out. Mm. It's any sense of conflict, isn't it? As soon as he starts having an argument, he starts immediately feeling sick. It's yeah. almost like... Uh, the government stopping you anyone from protesting or something yeah yeah it's like it's your freedom as soon as you stop that yeah your freedoms are taken yeah it's ahead of its time in terms of its discussions about like privacy and your own personal and enjoyment that's of life and the state involvement doing it to this day as well that's why yeah. we're still talking about this film to this day yeah mm. Mm. And i think probably, yeah that's why i think the violence is not very shocking nowadays i mean it is like but people the are violence really is in this film though that's what i that's what i think i took more away from on this watch of mm. it's in there to shock you and to stir you up and then to cause you to have that internal battle of do i yeah. like alex do i not like alex yeah but the violence isn't the film i mean i was going to watch it and chelsea came in and i stopped it because i didn't want her to get the wrong impression about this film <laughs> like if somebody what you're watching it was at the very beginning of the film and i was like where all the like, worst stuff happens yeah and it's like yeah. what the fuck are you watching and it's like no that isn't like that is this isn't the film the film isn't that no it's a violence of a surface level but then deep down is the real violence is in yeah. the film is the violence inflicted upon Alex yeah because Kubrick definitely is, is saying that him giving up fucking free will I mean, Kubrick's also smart enough. He's not like one of those directors that likes to cause... He wouldn't do violence without meaning of it. Yeah. He's not just doing it to fucking swing his dick around. It's like... Yeah. That's not who yeah, he was. Yeah, there for a reason. Kubrick's always been about that. Well, it's such a big film to tackle as well. It is. Mm. Um, Silence. I know. I don't Silence. know where to go from this. <laughs> Because we've gone to the big meaty, we've gone to the big meaty talk, not necessarily talking around the film rather than well, I think at the, the film now. Yeah, I mean, I think the ending comes in one, that's what the discussion is. I think when you just get into the second two parts is when you start talking about this element mm. of it. And that's mm. the only way you can discuss those parts is by talking about this bit. But but I think the great thing as well is it, it brings up that moral quandary of who, yeah, who is the bad guy? Because he's... He's like in that bed at the end. I love it, by the way. He, that was another thing that that um, Malcolm McDowell was doing when he was opening his mouth yeah, to be fed. Chewing it. Yeah. He was just doing that. He was just doing that to get a rise out of the fucking crew. And it's like yeah, apparently everyone was bored. Well. Someone said they, I was saying everyone was bored that day, so he just fucking around to try and keep uh, him happy. <laughs> yeah, I think it was another case of of uh, Kubrick doing multiple shots again. Yeah, but um, just the idea of this this guy who's been terrorising people for most of the film is now being on the front of newspapers as being this massive victim and the people that he's he were his victims all along are now being put in prison and 
the the droogs who who were also part of all these horrible things are police officers they're also in this place of power as well and it's like who are the good guys who are the bad guys and i think that's it's a very big thing in our world especially like in the police and in government it's like Mm -hmm. there are some horrible people that are in places of power and they should be the good people and they're not no (laughs) it's like that's just fucking everyday thing in this world and it's 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 a very great thing that this film was saying this so long ago it's their old evil becoming the new authority Mm. happens the Mm. whole damn world over just like we were talking about um when we did the waking fright yeah about um terrible people and understanding why they are because those horrible those men doing going on that horrible kangaroo hunt we were talking about you know but the environment they're in and stuff like that well here in this story in clockwork orange the youth are fucking presented as terrible up front but they live in a world that's run by these governments who are opportunistic and have the police who are either inept or made up of such violent people so how can there be any genuine order how can there be any genuine justice good overseeing things when it's all so bloody polluted everyone's in bed Mm. with everyone like literally at the end the government are using the man who they fucking stole stole free ruined turned into a brain dead thing they're now going to use him to win their election campaign to stay in power by saying oh this man was taken advantage of we would try to help him Tory government Tory government exactly it's it's Rishi Sunak turning up down the working man's pub and putting his arm around someone with a pint and going we're Mm. mates Keir Starmer's gonna fuck you up fucking little wankers keep your dolls up that's it exactly you keep your dolls up (laughs) fucking cunts but I think even even more so with this as well is you have this guy who was who's morally wrong and horrible and he's been he's been put through prison, got an early release. Yes, he went through some horrible shit, but now he's been reset and he's just as bad as he was before. We see that at the end, where he's literally imagined himself. Yeah, yeah, he's free. Alan's cured, all right, as he says. But, yeah. but and the funny thing is, how do you feel? Because it's almost like you're meant to cheer in a way, like Alex is back. But it's like, well, yeah. what does that mean though? A rapist murderer is back. I know. Mm. I think that's what you are left to be. At your own devices of, like I know the book obviously said it gave it to him, but like whether he actually went, if he, I mean he might enjoy it and he might celebrate the fact that he can, but whether he actually goes back and does it, that is another thing. Like, did he actually learn his lessons throughout what he went through of finding the medium? Like you, you said at the end of the book, he doesn't choose violence anymore. That's it, and that's why the he book can be is violent, kind of... but he doesn't choose it. Well, I think the film is like it leaves you on that element of. Do you reckon you went back or? Yeah. And it works. It works for that reason. And then train spotting came around and mm. choose love, choose, choose violence. Choose life. But yeah, that's it. Like at least at now as it's left, but it's terrible because the government are going to fucking use him. Just like the government don't care about anyone. They just care about their self-interest. Everyone cares about their self-interest in this film. But at that point, they're going to use him. Just like, just like that writer wants to use him at the end. The writer wants to use him to bring down the government. The writer has his own agenda as well. When he's there with it in his fucking wheelchair, he is going to use Alex before he knows who he is as someone mm. that he can 
take down the existing government with, whether you agree with him or not, he's going to use him. Alex is going to be used by all these fucking people because he he isn't his own person anymore. He's like a poster boy for freedom when he was yeah. like, as a person himself, he is the opposite of that. He's like control and yeah. rape and savagery. Yeah, it's, you definitely feel conflicted at the end. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, at least... In and I love that, that, that image of him that he sees at the end where he's... It doesn't necessarily look like he's raping the woman because the woman's actually on top. But she looks like she's right. He celebrates sex, doesn't he? It's more of that yeah. sex dream rather than a... Yeah. Mm. But there's a crowd of people around him just watching him. And it's like, look, I'm on the front cover of the papers. Now you're just watching me do this and cheering me on for it. Yeah. But that's... And that's... that's the commentary is less about Alex at that point and it is the government. It's like, what, what are they willing to say is bad and mm. what are they willing to say is good in order for them to... to maintain power and, and control mm, mm. and it's all well and good I was talking about it on a film but uh, uh, when you live your life do you feel that way when you when you hear people have done terrible things do you always go oh but it's alright in the future hopefully they'll, they'll be better it's hard to be that way it is very hard to be that way some people I just want to fucking die for what they do yeah it depends how close you are to whatever the thing is mm. the, be- the, the beautiful thing is this film tells you people can be more than one fucking thing. Mm-hmm. You, you, you yeah. don't just exist as a murderer, rapist, criminal, asshole. You can also... There is people in between. Yeah, you can be a great saviour for animals. Like the, the Hitler dichotomy. He was a wonderful artist. Mm-hmm. It could be both things. The duality of humanity, man. You can Just be one like thing the, or another. The writer at the end who yes. who was a victim and then, then he was the aggressor. And interestingly about that writer, do you know that Anthony Burgess went through that? His wife was... A, they, they, their house was invaded by a gang and his wife or his partner at the time was, was raped in oh, the wow. house and then he wrote Clockwork Orange. Fuck. And that takes something, doesn't it? Because, like, imagine that's happened yeah. to you. You would think you'd and be he's angry. also siding with the person who did it then. Or at least his... writing from their point of view. Yeah. Like, he obviously, you know, that's very liberal. But it's like, let's understand then. Let's get to the root of why this happened. Okay. Mm. But there is, I mean, there is something to be said. Like, they don't actually go into why Alex, they never go into why Alex likes this stuff. It's just that he's wired that way. Yeah. That's just how people are, isn't it? You could you could take that from any serial killer. It's just they're just born that way. That's just how they are. Ah, but that's a whole conversation, that is. Are you born that way or are you nurtured? Well, we're nurtured that way, but... Nature or nurture. I mean, There's two different if things. You, if, you're, if you're looking at Alex's nurturing, yeah. I guess... You wouldn't say there was anything. It's more his, he's, if anything, bored. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's it is all bored, I can yeah. think. Boredom. But that's in what that they, case, it would be nature. That's what they say about kids and teenagers <laughs> when they're running rampant now. They say, oh, they're bored. They need, like, the government have gutted um, youth centres and sports centres and areas that they could go to, so they're turning to crime. Uh, mm. And there's... Well, it also probably... Was it Thatcher at that time? No, Thatcher was later, wasn't she? And there's that time in the government 
where the government shut everything down in that aspect and it was that kind of way that the world was looking but that came mm. afterwards mm-hmm. <sighs> we got to protect people's choices you can't remove it Take from control people. from the people I'm trying to think of literal examples where that happens now. What, where the government are taking control from? Where, where there's that thing of, ah, oh, that's protest. not right because you're... Li- yeah, I guess it is. The right People to peaceful protest, earlier. I guess, is a thing, yeah. It's human rights, basically, isn't it? It's just human rights, the er- eradication of that. Yeah. Again, from... Yeah, it's the right to protest. Take, it's that's literally taking your voice. Yeah, and your choice. I mean, I love it. I love the way that they talk. I love, I love the talking heightens it all. The language, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It makes you really like, like, study and like mm. really keep your ears close to what's what's being said, and you get wrapped up in it. And the thing is, by the end, you do, you know, you you get an idea. Like at first, if you just hear the words in silo, mm. you wouldn't know. But if he says, "Oh, I'm sitting next to," a Bobochka and he's sitting next to a woman it's like alright Bobochka's woman and then when mm. you hear it when he says Vidi I do like to Vidi the old films I'm like okay alright see yeah. right okay and then, so it, and I like that as a narrative device it's like the more you listen the more you understand him the more you're with him yeah it's a very clever piece of work on that on that side pushed out his yazik yeah licked his boot yeah <laughs> McGlazzies McGlazballs Vidi well, Vidi well, Vidi well, little brothers. <laughs> it does add something, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Should we give our final thoughts on this then, or will we got more to say? I think that's about. I think I'm about there with it. Yes, yeah, same. I think I am too. You want my final thoughts? Yes. Okay, so it had been a long time since I had. Uh, watch this film yeah it's the same as as adam was saying i think this time is the first time i'd really appreciated it for like because because we were like knew it was when you when you know it's a podcast episode you're you're really like taking it in so much more yes because <laughs> you want to you want to really you really want to like absorb everything yeah and i think i think that is the best way to watch a film oh yeah <laughs> just yeah imagine you're imagine you're doing it for a podcast yes 100 percent. i would love to con- i would love to translate that into every film that i watch I and know. like it's do hard, a little though, reading and lash you can't there's yeah we ain't got the time in the day yeah yeah um i always had this film as an eight speaking about this film now yeah i'm like man it's so fucking good it's like i feel like if I went and watched this in a cinema, it could be a 10 out of 10. But at the moment, it is a 9 out of 10. I'm sticking with the 9. Um, who knows? In the future, it could be changed and on an end-of-year wrap-up if I ever get to that point. But it is a 9 out of 10 for me. 9 out of 10. Adam? So it was an 8 for me before I went into this, but it has been a 9 before. It's going to go back to a nine, but it's now in that question of, I think, of where I put certain films that I always think of it in this category of why isn't that film a 10? And I just can't put my finger on why this film isn't a 10. And I mean, analysing it now, I don't think we've found a single problem with it or an issue. Well, let's have a little talk about it now, because I'm also a nine. I was a nine before, and and I'm still a nine. I really want it to be a 10, but I just, when you get a gut feeling, my gut feeling just says it's not quite a 10. Well, here's what I would say as to why it's not a 10. 
and it's really not criticism so much as it's a personal preference. I feel like certain segments are a little elongated, a little too long. So not the ones that are good, not the ones that I enjoy, but I feel like some scenes take a long time. So for example, when he goes home and there's an imposter in his home and he's with his parents, mm-hmm. that scene runs a long time. We get the point fairly quickly and it's worth oh, it having, yeah. but it goes too long. It feels like it's like two minutes or two or three minutes. It's like five or six minutes. We already mm-hmm. get the impression that the guy's like, you treat your parents terribly. You should be appalled. Mm-hmm. And then... This is a replacement son. Yeah. But then that conversation continues. And yeah. it's just a few scenes. Like even when he goes to the cat lady's house, we spend a lot of time before they he even gets into the house just seeing the inside and seeing cats I love to look at cats but we see the cats for a very very long time and <laughs> some of the conversation with the priests inside the prison I just think there's a it's a little bit elongated at times I feel like it could have lost 15 minutes been a little bit tighter in and out and I would have dug it <laughs> we never spoke about in and out we didn't speak about <laughs> the old, old in and out <laughs> yeah you would have referred the old in and out in this film I would have that's what you're saying I basically would've. <laughs> I, yeah I think for me that was it it, it really was that because there was nothing that happened in it that I was like oh no good but I would have liked uh, mm. yeah a little just a little tighter it was a, a little yeah. indulgent in that Kubrick way when it gets to when it gets to a 9 for me it normally well between a 9 and a 10 it is normally just the feeling I get and I just know for yeah. I just know when I come out, it's not a ten for me. Yeah. I think That's there is, I but say. there's elements of it. I will look back on it now and go, why isn't this film a ten? And I watch it, yes. thinking this watch, I'm going to watch it, and it's going to be a ten. And then I get there, and it's like, nah, it's, it doesn't quite. But yeah, so it's going to remain a very, very high nine for me. A nine is an Brilliant. incredible score. Mm. And also, the other thing that goes to say is as good as the second act and the third act are, and as much as we all kind of appreciated them most on this viewing more than any other. They fail to live up to the huge impact of the first 45 minutes. Yeah. And Mm. it's like we hit you over with this incredible sensory overload in the first 45 minutes of dialogue and visuals. This cool world that you're 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 put toward to and then it's just, oh, okay. And and then it becomes a reflective analysis of that world and then some questions left at the end, which is all great. But it's like it's the opposite of um, Shining in a way. The Shining builds mm. to something, whereas Clockwork Orange has already built immediately to that point. Yeah. And then the yeah, more, yeah, yeah. the rest is reflective. Do you give it a nine as well then, Ben? Yeah, yeah. So nine's okay. all round. Nine, nine, nine. Which means we are into our top 20. That goes without saying. Clearly goes without saying. We are in there with a bullet at nine. And now we've got to decide whether it's better or worse than these films. So, One Night in Miami. Oh. It's, it's better. It's better. Yeah, it's it has to be. I'm yeah. saying it's better. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nocturnal animals. Oh, no, it's not. Better for me. It's up to you, Ben. Having to think. Having That's another think. social commentary film, isn't it? I mean, it's not going past the next one, so it's up to you. It's not. It's not going past the next one. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if it's better than nocturnal animals. Uh, Nocturnal Animals is better for me. So, Adam, you're going to have to call it. Okay. I said Nocturnal Animals is better straight away. (laughs) It goes below. Right. Okay. What's the film above it, Paul? Face Off. Face Off. Okay. So that means our new number 12 is A Clockwork Orange. 
Nocturnal Animals is one above it, one night in Miami, one below it. And that means losing from our top 20 is Moonlight. Aww. Moonlight goes Goodbye, out. Moonlight. And that means the film that is in the jeopardized position of 20, one of the first films we ever did, Three Billboards. I always forget we did an episode on Three Billboards. That'll be a sad mm. day it's when like we lose that from episode. our top 20 because we've had that in there since we began. Obviously. Mm. That'll be a big one. There we go. Kubrick, Stanley fucking Kubrick. Our first Stanley film. Crazy. It's because he's it's because he's a big old boy. He's a big boy. In he's more a ways big boy. than one. <laughs> well then. That's it. That, that is that uh, the end next? of our that's the end of our Orange episode, and that means Adam gets to tell us what we're doing next. Have you chosen yet, Adam? I have. It's the film I originally went was thought it was going to be, and that film is... I've forgotten the fucking title of it now. Do you want me to say it? <laughs> you know, I think you know what it is, Ben. I think I do. It's THX1138. To... Oh, the one with... um, What's his name? George Lucas is one. Who is it? It's uh, the Concierge. Concierge. And not only that, it's <laughs> Donald Pleasance again. Oh, fuck me, isn't it? Yes. Oh, it's Donald Pleasance year. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So I, I was considering this film, actually. I saw this once when I was at university uh, doing the sci fi module. A little bit bonkers and out there. It's nice and short. Fun to me. It's 86 minutes long. Yeah. Oh, wow. Beautiful. In and out. The old in out. The old in and out. And we refer to films that are less than 90 minutes as the old in out now. (laughs) Yes, that's the new staple. You don't even take your coat off. (laughs) That's the new back around blinds. Don't take your socks off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, shit. (laughs) Yep. So we're doing, we've done Australian and then we've done, I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, Australian. British, this is American. But he was in, he's American, wasn't he, Kubrick? But he was based in Britain. It's very much a British film, though, isn't it? That oh, yeah, but he, I mean, he lived he lived in England, didn't he, his whole life, didn't he? Fucking loved up Elstree, man. He spent mm-hmm. his whole time around Elstree. Mm-hmm. The only reason probably mm-hmm. three of us have got jobs here and know each other. If it wasn't I, for him, that place might have fallen apart there you go. many moons ago and we'd never have met. Man, I, when we watched uh, Doctor Sleep today, yeah. we finished and we went Tesco, and I was standing Tesco, I was like, we're standing in the Overlook. Yeah, no, the overlook. I thought the overlook. I thought the maze was. Um, yeah, the maze was Tesco car park, and, and the, the overlook and, was well, up the back. I'm still in the overlook maze. The overlook was up the back where Big Brother House. Yes, and where the crown was, where they brought yeah. their set. Mm. Either way, I was standing in or around the overlook hotel. Watch that. Yeah. Watch the. Um, if you've got the Blu-ray or the DVD, watch the um, feature that Kubrick's wife filmed behind the scenes where she starts in Jack Nicholson's dressing room and then it follows him for like 20 minutes because his dressing room is in that block. I can't remember what the block is, where Strictly is done, up there. Oh, really? And I want to watch that. Well, have a look. THX1138 is George Lucas. Fucking George Lucas, man. Did you ever think we'd be doing another George Lucas? We've done a George Lucas film before? No, we haven't. None of the Star we've, Wars films we've we done. We've done some of his spin-offs. Funny thing about George Lucas is he only directed, of that original trilogy, he only did the first one. 
He directed the first one and then he did the one and then he did episodes one, two, and three. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he only did that. He didn't do episode five or six. Yeah. That man is so lucky to have a career. He can't. He's. A, do you know what? I'm going to say it now before we go into next week's <laughs> thing. He's a shit director. <laughs> he has done some. He did a fucking How to Duck. Well, shit director. <laughs> Alex and Julio may love it. I don't. All right. <laughs> um, so where do we go now with this? Um, we move on to our patrons, I have to say. Do you want to talk about that? Yep. Right, so our patrons, they send us a little message. And they tell us what they've been watching for the past week, the best and the worst. And then we talk about them. And then we tell them whether you should watch them or not, basically. If you want to do that, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. And you can become a patron just at the likes of Luke Bennett. Yes, you can. You can also join Paul Mott. You can join Francis Siberini. You can join Andy Bishop. You can join Ben from Film Vloggers. You can join Mark and Steve from Movie Drone. You can join Home Video Hustle. You can join Luke Human. You can join Sean Panda Nicholson. You can join Nerd Rovert. Yes, you can. You can also join Julio. You can join Jamie. You can also listen to Jamie on the Movie Drone podcast. Jamie and his daughter oh, went on yes, the Movie Drone yes. podcast with an episode that should be released by now, uh, covering yes, the I 80s version so. of The Blob. So check that out. I need to watch the film first. Yeah, me too. And lastly, but not leastly, you can join Katie and Oti from For Your Reference. You better join them. You better fucking yeah, join them. Yeah, baby. This is the first time we've kind of done it mostly seriously. Yeah. I know. Total serial. Okay, first of all, we've got Sean Pan and Nickerson, and he says, Hey, busting buddies. I hope life is treating you all very well, and you've had a great movie-filled week. We sure have. Sean. He says, in the Bamboo Forest this week, I've watched loads of good ones, but for my best, I have to have to go with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It won't be everyone's cup of tea, but I just found it so incredibly fun and enjoyed every minute. I'm also now in love with Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. For worse, I'll say the Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, it's not bad, but it's nothing amazing either. It's just fine. I just found it to be instantly forgettable. My kids loved it, however, and they probably are more of the demographic for it. I'll say the score was fantastic and incorporated a lot of classic Mario themes. Anyway, keep living your best life and remember, I love you all. Is it called the Super Mario Bros movie? Well, which, yeah. which one is he talking about? The new one. Oh. I thought he was still, when, when I started reading it I thought he was talking about the fucking yeah <laughs> so did I one? no apparently the new one is called the Super <laughs> Mario Brothers movie do you know oh, what cool. I found out the other day that the film that we did the Mario movies that we did yeah. they, they didn't actually have the rights for any of the characters and that's why all the characters don't look anything like the characters well, that makes in the sense film. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense now <laughs> apparently they did a thing of like Nintendo said yes originally and then they pulled all the rights they're like, they said, yes, you can use the names, but you can't use any of the imagery or something along those lines. It's very messy, and that's why it's all a bit... Hey, listen, I tell you, I would defend that fucking 93 film to the death. We had a fun death. time in that episode, didn't we? Yes. There's no way that this new one is better than that. No way, man. Even if they didn't have the rights. <laughs> Dennis Admiral Hopper was ordering fucking dinosaur pizza, man. Can you remember any of his gags? <laughs> Can you remember any of the things he ordered on that pizza? Uh, like pterodactyl wing? Yeah, shit like something. that. <laughs> mm, something like that. Hold, um, hold the raptor uh, egg or something like that. <laughs> the raptor Come egg. on, that's good shit. <laughs> 
And Shazam Fury of the Gods, I mean, these guys won't have seen it, but I absolutely agree with you, Sean. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Just like the likes of you, you also gave it 9 out of 10. It's a very fun time. Uh, these guys... Oh, I don't know. You Surprisingly, Ben, Yeah. didn't you give the, the first Shazam a 6 out of 10? Pro- uh, yeah, probably. And it's better than that one, so... Well, I think you and Scott and Sean are the only ones who think so, because as I scroll down my letterbox That's true. here, you are the only three who give it a high rating. Everyone else but is guess what? painfully low. Ben, don't you love being the opposite of what people are? That just makes you want to like it more. I like it, but I, yeah, I, I, I like it, but I don't <laughs> vote that way specifically to be that. <laughs> um, just putting a little hypnosis on you, just like Alex. Now, if everyone was giving this 10 out of 10... Right. You'd hate it. No, no. Would you be the dissenting voice and going, it's not, it is good, but it's not that good? Yes, because it's not a 10 out of 10 film. It's just a really fun film. Um, it's just not 10, 10 fun. I feel like that guy is problematic now. He's he's coming under a lot of fire for some shit. Yeah, he is. Well, uh, DC Zachary, are having a terrible Zachary time Levi. with, with uh, their people behind the scenes, aren't they? Hit between him and Gal Gadot and what's his name? The freak. Ezra Miller. Yeah, Ezra Miller. Between yeah. them three, oh. Well, who knows? The Flash film's going to reset stuff so they have a chance to do stuff. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, so Ezra Miller is going to go in it, though. He's in the Flash film, but then the Flash film is going to reset the whole universe, how, whatever happens in it. So, How are they going to release could, a film with that man in it? That's wild, it's isn't it? It's already filmed. It's already filmed. So they look at what um, Ridley Scott did with Spacey. He fucking replaced him. Mm. Well, they're going to replace him regardless. So, anyway, uh, maybe you'll like it, Ben. Uh, Adam, you'll like it just you will not like it just assess me. So, okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, uh, so next up we have Julio, and he says I recommend Ultra Violence and the in uh, the old in out in out. Yeah, is, is he talking about? <laughs> I fucked that up. I don't know how, but um, yes, he's talking about us. He's talking about what we just did. Yeah. On the movie front, guys, Chloe and Theo is so bad it almost needs to be seen to be believed. Totoka Johnson starts as a runaway who befriends an Inuit man on a mission to uh, save the world from itself, maybe. I don't know why I said Inuit with such a pronunciation. Um, what's her name? Maria. Is that Maria? Mira Savino. Mira. Savignol pops up. <laughs> Savignol Blanc. <laughs> no, he's in it. <laughs> Mira Savoy pops He's up in it. towards <laughs> Savoy. Savoy. Mira Savoy. Savino. Love you, Adam. Never change, mate. Savino. Never change. <laughs> pops up towards. It sounds the... like an Italian name as well. You should that's be able Paul, to. Do it. That's Paul Savino's daughter. You know Paul Savino from Goodfellas. Oh, is it? Is it? Oh, there you go. He's, he's Italian then. <laughs> you should know this shit, mate. Mira You've got Italian Savino roots. Pops up towards the end. Mira to Savino. Add legitimacy to it all it's 81 minutes of cringe if anyone can I don't understand even know what, what Adam was talking about <laughs> Julio is it as cringy as Adam's uh, pronunciation of Mira Savino's name <laughs> oh. Oh, mate so basically don't watch that film <laughs> Mira Sauvignon Mira Sauvignon <laughs> go to a restaurant I'll have a glass of Mira Sauvignon please Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> my friend says it's Italian <laughs> oh Adam never even heard you. of this anyway Chloe and Theo never heard of it no have I but we have to see it to believe it but do we want to see it really well we might have to see it to believe it 
Oh, 81 minutes of cringe. 81 minutes of that. cringe. We'll do it. Beautiful. Because it's the old in-out. It's the old in-out. It's under 90 minutes. It's the old in-out. Exactly. Cheers, Julio. Next up is Thank Luke you. Human, who says, I really enjoy Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. More of a comedy than anything else. This is perfectly self-aware and has a smart balance of original... F- material fan service and broader audience at bill there are all the beats you would expect from a decent heist movie and as such a suitable misfit team is assembled pine and rodriguez are really solid but it is lilis who is the standout and this will undoubtedly accelerate her already impressive young career totally enjoyable but just a touch on the lengthy side have to say when i saw the trailer for this i did think it looked like a good time yeah i've heard it's a good time i've heard good i haven't heard anything anyone say a bad thing about it but yeah whether i go see it or not is another thing I would check it out. Uh, and next he says, 2016's Hush. Uh, I'm guessing this is the bad one. This seems like a huge missed opportunity. The premise is mostly sound and it is a smart idea to do a home invasion with a deaf protagonist. What's lacking is capitalising on this USP. The sound design is pretty pedestrian. There are no extended periods of silence a la quiet place and we're not immersed into Maddie's world. Aside from being inexplicably dark to the point of AVP Requiem, there's little innovation in the subgenre narrative and aside from one short, brilliant sequence that Flanagan would later adapt for other projects, it is bland and disappointing. I've seen that. I remember just thinking it was fine. I feel like Paul, you like it quite you, a bit. Yeah, you and you and Adam both give it a six out of ten. Yes, I give it. I, an, I think that's I give right. it an eight out of ten. I very much enjoyed it, but I'm I'm a big Flanagan fanboy. It seems it's not yeah. the fact that I, this is the first Flanagan film I watched. I think so. Mm. I think I liked him from the off, but I just I, you know you know I like films that are all set in one location. It was a nice little horror film, and it kind of helps when I the fact I was watching it with Zoe because she absolutely loved it. So. Yeah. The thing is, for me, Flanagan needs to just do Stephen King adaptations. That's it. He's so good at doing Stephen He's King. He's perfect. He's made for that. Stick to that, Flanagan. Mm. Don't try and do original content, please. Don't want to hear it. Mm. I think it would have made a good short. Yeah, if it, yeah. If it had been a 10, 15 minutes short, I'd gone, that's real solid. But it's like, well, show me something else now. That's fair. Anyway. That's fair. I mean, I, I need to watch it again. It's been on my watch list for a while, so I'll let you know if, it's, if it holds up. Holds up. Holds up. Okay. Uh, lastly, we have Katie and Oti for the For Your Reference podcast, and they say, I have two eh, okay shows to equal one good wreck for the week. Lucky Hank. Lucky Hank, starring Bob Odenkirk. Never heard, Never of, heard it. of it. Never heard of it. Follows a miserable middle-aged professor that is not interested in expanding his world and is content to not explore what might enrich his life further. I haven't heard, but we're big fans of Bob Odenkirk, so yeah. we are big fans um, of Bob Odenkirk. We haven't we haven't heard of this Lucky Hank. Oh, I like the title. Lucky Hank sounds like a good title. Have you boys? <laughs> like it. Have you boys seen? Um, I think you should leave now with Tim Robbins. No, no, it's like a sketch. It's a real comedy sketch show on Netflix. It's absolutely fantastic, brilliant. And there is a scene where he goes to, he's in the diner with his daughter, a little girl, and she's like, "Oh, daddy, I want some more ice cream." And he's like, "Oh, we can't go because we can't have any ice cream because we've got to go because there's a, a big festival in town, like some sort of lie." And he winks at the guy in the booth next to him to get to encourage him to get in on the lie. And the guy next to him is Bob Odenkirk. And Bob Odenkirk is like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's this big festival in town. And then 
Bob Odenkirk just keeps lying and lying and lying, but lying about his personal life. <laughs> it's so funny because <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm not even going to explain it. It's one of the ones you have to see. It's worth it's just check it out. Basically, you say it's a TV series. Yeah, but, it, but it's a sketch. It's it's sketches. Oh, okay. It's a real okay, sketch. Right. So Bob Odenkirk's only in it for like three, four minutes, but it's so good. Oh, I've cool. got doubles of this. I've got doubles of the coop. None of this makes sense. Just watch it. I'll send you the link. But watch it. Um, and secondly, they said the big door prize stars Chris O'Dowd and sends a small town into ex- existential crisis as a fortune telling type machine issues a card with one or two words that suggest the destiny for these people. Mm. Interesting concept and each episode focused on a different character. Chris also plays a miserable man that is not interested in expanding his world and is content to not explore what might enrich his life further. Oh, well, what? That's what? That was exactly the same sentence. I, know. So I was confused for a second. <laughs> that's that's that almost melted Paul's brain. Yeah, I know. It did. I was like, "Am I? Did they copy and paste this wrong?" <laughs> the funny thing is that these are both characters that Alex would absolutely hate. M- miserable men that are not interested in expanding their worlds. Oh, oh Alex! Yes. I thought you meant I've... Alex from the Contrarians. Yeah, so did I for a second, and that's why I took a moment to respond. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, he would. He'll be beating them up with his little cane. Oh yeah, he'd be smashing them mm. up with his strong bones. Yeah. Mm. Have a get your gotchkas around this little darling. <laughs> get your glasses on this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Stick your gazic out. Home ways is best ways. <laughs> right, right. Well. Uh, good, that's, thanks. That's, that's that's beautiful. What do you think of Chris O'Dowd? I love him in the IT crowd, and I've never seen him in anything good since any film he's ever been in. I haven't I seen quite many, like him as a person. I, yeah, like he's a nice when he's person. on like show like TV shows and stuff, when it's just him. But then, yeah, there's a couple of films I've watched him in, and I'm like, mm. it feels mm. like he's become America's like Irish man now. Like if if you need yeah. an Irish man, you yeah. go to Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, probably. I love the IT crowd. I, I, I saw, that's the only thing I've seen him in, IT crowd. I can't think of anything else I've seen. He's done Although a couple of like little have, films here and there. He always pops up in stuff you wouldn't expect him to be in. Mm. 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 Like a bowl of soup. <laughs> Way he just pokes his head out. Yeah. Mm. I'm glad I didn't laugh well, too hard after I said that because I did think that was really funny and I had to bite my cheek. Because <laughs> you two didn't really laugh and I, that would have made me just sound real vain. <laughs> well that made me laugh more than the joke <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that's Clockwork Orange guys Clockwork Orange I hope you enjoyed it Deal Buster.